Well, hello there, dad and lovely listeners. It's your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And Hollywood Steve. And we are here reporting to you on a bright and sunny April 20th day in Tennessee. It's just a little bit after 4.20 p.m. And I don't know exactly what the deal is, but there's just something in the air today that's making me feel good and making me crave an Abba Zabba bar. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I don't quite know what it is. Suddenly here, like, you listen off in the distance, you hear a little Bob Marley. I think so. I think that's what it is. I hear the the pan drums. Uh Uh-huh. I hear the peaceful lyrics and message, and there's just something in the air today that's got me feeling good. And I hope that you guys, our dead and lovely listeners, are also doing well today, because today we're going to be talking about... Return to Horror High. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) It's 420. A little after 420. Uh, that might happen again. I, I don't know. It could happen. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it could happen. <laughs> and uh, before that, we're going to catch up, shoot the shit, talk about what we've been watching, crack open a co-beer and more. So, of course, if you want to get straight on to the movie review, there's a timestamp for you in the podcast description if you just want to go straight to it. But before we do that, Steve, I just got to go ahead and crack myself a code one. Do you think yeah. that sounds okay? Is it too early in the day to crack a code one? No, I would uh, I'd very much appreciate a, a drink of some sort right now. Oh, yeah? Something got your mouth kind of dry? I don't know what it is. I don't Ooh. know what it is. Pollen. It's the pollen. Pretty sure that's it. <laughs> I have myself a beer here, Steve, that is one I've been saving for the show because it was gifted to me by my good buddy, Junkyard Joe, and this is one that he has had, and he told me it is the weirdest beer in all the land, so he told me to wait and do it on the show, that way he could hear my recorded expression about it as I drink this. This is a a collaboration between two Tennessee breweries. This is Pretentious Beer Company and Uh Southern Grist. They did a collab that is called Ice Cream Paint Job on a 98 Avalon. Okay, all right. It's very specific. It is very specific, and the description of this beer is, it's an ice cream sundae inspired sour ale brewed with lactose, marshmallows, vanilla, chocolate ice cream mix, strawberry puree, banana puree, sprinkles, chopped pecans, ice cream cones, and maraschino cherries. Damn. (laughs) Like, what the fuck is this? That sounds interesting. I mean, yeah, I could imagine it being too sweet. So I just snapped the top. Yeah. And instantly it smells like marshmallows and strawberries and <laughs> bananas and ice cream. Like, honest to God, if you smell it. Yeah. It smells like you have your face over an ice cream sundae. It's actually kind of bizarre how accurate all those smells are still separate. Like, they're not just blended together. It literally smells like... I've just walked into an ice cream shop, which is actually one of my favorite smells in the world. That's an amazing smell. An amazing smell. I do very much love that. Funnel cake is another one of those amazing oh, smells. Yeah. Like doesn't matter like where it is, what it is, you smell funnel cake, it's like, hell yeah. What about the Dollywood peppers and onion smell? Oh, oh yes. my god. Dollywood's full of great smells. Just it really is. This looks not very great, honestly. Whenever you pour it into a clear glass, it has a color that's not all that far off from like the, the ooze stuff in Ghostbusters 2, like mm-hmm. that pink slime, you know? It's kind of that color. Looks very effervescent. What are you having today, Steve? Okay, so I am having a curious number one 
booze-free craft cocktail. You don't say. Yeah, you uh, you gave me this. It is a pomegranate Negroni with rhodiola. Hmm. So I'm gonna get all rhodiola up. I looked up what rhodiola <laughs> does, and I what's I, it gonna I, do? It's either gonna make me tired or not. Oh, so it'll either make you tired or not tired. That's yeah, maybe both. Broad, actually, I yeah. kind of hope it levels me out. Wait I was going to say, you might get leveled out. Yeah. It's rhodiola. What's inside the levels? Oh, inside the bubble levels. Yeah, I think yeah. you're probably right. It suggested that I serve over ice with uh, uh, an orange peel, so I've done that. Got some. It smells delicious because I've expressed some orange oils, but also it smells like pomegranate. I'll tell you what. This is an extremely confusing beer. Like, it is wildly confusing. <laughs> it's sort of like... If you took an entire like banana split and put it in a blender with a little bit of a sour beer. Okay. That's huh. You can clearly taste everything. Like up front, I got chocolate and marshmallow. And then as soon as I swallowed, it's like there's the cherry and strawberry and banana, like the fruit taste and the sourness and stuff. The a- the aftertaste is straight up ice cream cone. Like that specific like cake cone flavor. This is bizarre. I actually don't hate it (laughs) which is shocking like that description sounds like that was going to be a nightmare yeah it's actually kind of okay it's novel i don't know if i will like be enjoying it like this you know halfway down the glass i might tire of it but actually i don't hate this and that's really confusing to me now ben this uh, this says it has pomegranate and orange juice, as well as some lemon peel and bitter orange, cardamom and fennel. And I'll tell Ooh. you what it tastes like. What's it taste like? Is um, it it tastes very much like pomegranate, a little like Gatorade. You know what? Yes, because whenever I had one of those, I was kind of having a hard time pinpointing exactly what that flavor was because uh-huh. I did get the spices and the herbal and vegetal taste and stuff in there, but. There is kind of a Gatorade-y sort of flavor to it. It's not yeah, bad, It's not honestly. bad at all. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to follow that up with, it, and I'm down with it. I, I would very much like um, an alcoholic Gatorade, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. Whenever I had it, you know, I, I was drinking it, and I was like, yeah, this could definitely help me like reduce my, my booze consumption and stuff. Yeah. But then, like, halfway through it, I was like, man... This would be great with like some bourbon mixed into it. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking right now. Is yeah. this would be really good with some gin? I think I was literally about to say I'd love to try it with gin. I think that would really complement all the herbal notes and stuff that are in there, right? Yeah, I think that would be amazing. And if I had some gin, <laughs> I'd toss it in there. <laughs> <laughs> so we just got all kinds of interesting elixirs going on on the show today. <laughs> How you been doing this week, man? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, a pretty great week. Aside from uh, my sinuses have been pretty wrecked because of all the pollen in the air. Mm-hmm. Trees just skating, skating. I I noticed something, Ben. So the first two years of our podcast, almost every episode was us uh, being sick, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We would like take turns and stuff, and be like, "Well, I'm fucking sick today." Blah blah blah. Yeah. yeah. We were a little better when we were both working out pre-pandemic. Didn't didn't have any sicknesses there for a bit. True. I've noticed something, Ben. Hmm. For over a year, neither of us have been sick. That's very true. It's almost like 
the whole mask thing might work. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane because <laughs> one of the things that I'm very much used to in the spring is a sinus infection, and I always yeah. thought it was because of allergens and pollen and whatnot. Uh, it turns out, <laughs> no, you get that from somebody. And uh, if you uh, wear a mask out and whatnot and then just deal with allergens and pollen, it's a whole different experience, and it doesn't yeah. involve being sick. It sucks still, but it's a completely different experience. Totally, totally different. Yeah, dude. I'm so used to like, like usually I get sick around February, like after like NAM and mm -hmm. cruise gigs mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I usually get something horrible around then. Dodge the bullet there this year. And usually sometime around like the fall, either like after Halloween or like yeah. before Thanksgiving, somewhere in there, I usually get another cold or something like that. And you're right. I've had nothing. I nothing. think they said that like... At the peak of flu season this year, there was like 1,600 people with the flu in the entire fucking USA. That is unbelievable. Yeah. So masks work. Uh, let me yeah. tell you about side effects of the uh, of the uh, vaccine, though. Oh, you got dose number two last week. Your dose doses. I got uh, yeah, I got that dose dose, and uh, I had I had a lot of the side effects. Uh, the flu-like symptoms and the uh, soreness and whatnot. Yeah. And um, this is when I was really finally realizing, like, oh, it's been a long time since I was sick. <laughs> Being sick sucks. <laughs> Being sick sucks so fucking much. It was like, um, I, I, you know, the, the day I got the shot, I, I felt tired early and went to bed early. And then uh, woke up about nine hours later after I had gone to bed. And uh, I immediately felt very, very cold and was like, oh, that's weird. I thought the weather was warm recently. I'm pretty sure the weather's warm. And then I went to get out of bed and everything just felt like shit. Like, oh, every no. bit of my body was just like, Oh, I hate you, you son of a bitch. Why are we moving? Ugh. And then I got into the shower in the hot water, and I was like, Oh, this is the best. Oh, my gosh. Yes, right. Yeah, when you're sick, hot water, the best. And I reached out to grab the shampoo, and it felt like I had jumped into a frozen pond. And <laughs> I was like, Oh, my God fuck like now you're in that like oh i'm stuck now under this water guess i live here in the shower now yeah but also <laughs> this water will eventually start getting cold and that'll happen again but even worse oh man so you gotta like steal yourself to get out of the shower i did and i could not stop like shaking for an hour and a half it's just like freezing wow. cold. I was in like all sorts of clothes wrapped in a blanket. Um, and then I slept for a long time and then uh, felt a good bit better. And by the time it was 48 hours after the shot, felt fine. So all if right. you, I, I, I'm telling you this because uh, it is the, the thing that people are worried about. So if, if you're putting off the, the vaccine and you're worried about the side effects, let me tell you, they're really like, it's like being sick real quick. Like mm -hmm. all of it goes real, real quick by the like 48 hour point. It was like, oh, 
I feel perfectly fine and none of that like remains. It's not like that sick hangover you have where you just feel like shit. Oh yeah. Even after like all the symptoms are gone. So uh, it's not so bad. Don't be too worried. But uh, don't have like anything planned for the next day. <laughs> That's what I've heard from a couple people. But also, too, I've heard from a couple people that had dose number two and had zero side zero effects. Side like effects. Like Emily nothing. had nothing. Emily had no side effects whatsoever. Um, so, but she got the Pfizer and I got the Moderna. So maybe okay. difference I'm in that there. Pfizer fam, too. Yeah. yeah, maybe a difference there. We'll find out soon with you. Uh, you're getting your second shot next week, I believe. That's right. A little bit over a week. I'm getting that dose, dose myself. Get that 5G upgrade and all that jazz. And I'm so fucking stoked to go back to the damn gymnasium. Yeah, me too. And pump some iron. Oh my God, I'm so stoked. And not to mention playing shows and stuff like that. Although, you know, shows aren't returning to any kind of like normal capacity anytime soon, but being able to do small things, seated events, private events, yeah. stuff that's not big and wild and out of control. At this point, I'm so like show starved that I am just dying to get out there and play again, man. Remember what we used to do back in the normal hey, times? Remember stuff? Yeah, stuff, stuff and things. Yeah, stuff was fun. <laughs> well, have you had time to indulge in any good pelliculas this week, Steve? Any good talkies you seen? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, um, I watched From Beyond yesterday. Which is Stuart Gordon's, uh, I think, the movie he did after Reanimator, which we just we just did last week. Yeah. And let me tell you, he, he it is so like weird as hell, but like very fun and like it's exactly what you want from another Stuart Gordon movie. It is not. It's H.P. Lovecraft's From Beyond, but it's not that story. <laughs> It's very much Stuart Gordon's from beyond, but it's, it's, man, so rad. Barbara Crampton and, uh, oh, fuck, uh, what's his name? Jeffrey? Combs? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> yes. That Both guy. Both in there. Uh, and Ken Faree from, uh, you know, uh, Dawn of the Dead. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, dude. I know of it, but I've never seen it before. Like, I've seen a bunch of clips and stuff like that, and it's always made me go, God damn, why have I not watched this movie? Because it you looks like to, it has yeah. some really bizarre like great classic special effects and stuff in it yeah it's just so like it's exactly what you would want as a follow-up to reanimator i feel like (laughs) is so fucking solid you would need something to be even like weirder a little bit stranger and that's that's just what from beyond delivers hell yeah uh we also did the uh the screaming chat with the last drive-in season three premiere oh yeah and saw a couple movies i'd never seen all right one that uh i'll probably never ever ever watch again um Mm. mother's day mother's day what's that huh well it's a uh backwoods redneck rape revenge tale okay not selling me yeah just not it wasn't it wasn't my my thing uh but then house by the cemetery which is a giallo film and yeah, of huh? course set in boston um <laughs> <laughs> where the giallos happen uh-huh and with terrible dubbing and um not really sure exactly what it's about i mean I, I am. It's a, it's a haunted house murder zombie mystery. 
Movie. Now you're selling me. I'm on board already. That's one of those that I've meant to watch forever, and I feel like maybe I've even started it before and been like, nah, I'm not really in the mood to watch a movie like this and cut it off. It sounds like one that I would definitely dig, though, is it? Yeah, you would dig it. The effects are cool. <laughs> like, it's one of those that, like, you can turn on and not pay attention to because you're not missing anything. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I mean, I don't know. There's there's some cool little story bits, I guess, but it, it really is just like there's like just like in a, so many Giallo films, a scene with a, a bat that's like long and protracted. And the, <laughs> it's like you're watching a bat get murdered like and it that's doesn't straight out really, of Suspiria. Yeah, it doesn't really connect to anything, but what? it's a cool ass scene. All right. Yeah. So watch that. It's on Shutter, So it's definitely definitely worth the watch and then uh on on saturday we i uh invaded the jack of all graves hate watch of the wicker man remake (laughs) you can't hate watch that one that's a love watch right there man several of us discovered is that uh there's nothing to nothing to hate it is all love because that movie is perhaps the the pinnacle example for me of a movie that's so bad it's good because I I don't really like movies that are actually really really bad where like yeah. you're completely paying attention to the filmmaking and stuff though you are doing that with this because they constantly are like reminding him that cell phones don't work oh right like the whole time and then he still tries to use his cell phone it's like I think they must have shown it to an audience. And when he tried to use his cell phone, it didn't work. They were like, why didn't cell phone work? And, and they were like, well, we should put some <laughs> references in throughout the movie so that people will get it. Um, yeah. Yeah, but that movie, like, remember how he finds, like, a chapel that looks like it's like a 14th century ruin? But also yeah. they're they're on a, a an island off the coast of Washington. <laughs> Right, totally makes sense. <laughs> Checks out. And also, he just starts punching people. Just punching everybody yeah, in, in his way, suit. man. <laughs> man, woman, and child. They're getting punched, man. <laughs> he is so over the top yeah. in that. Like, I feel like... I feel like we expect that kind of role out of him now where he sort of entered this like wacky, zany, I don't really give a fuck phase of his career. Like that seems like something he would do now. But considering when that came out, we were all just like, has he lost his mind? What is he doing in here? (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that was like around National Treasure time. But I mean, he had already done Vampire's Kiss and other stuff. That's true. It's it's gorgeous sometimes. It's beautiful to watch. I love it. Yeah, Wicker Man's awesome. It's been forever since I watched that, too. Yeah, it's definitely worth a rewatch. And uh, I saw a bunch of Mormon themes in it. Oh, really? That I didn't notice before. But Neil Labute is a former Mormon, so... Maybe maybe we talk about that one sometime. Maybe we do that, man. We should definitely do the original before. Oh, dude, that would be awesome. Maybe do like uh, do the original and then do a review of that one as like the preview palace or something. <laughs> a little mini review, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's it's so bizarre, and I know a lot of people really fucking hate that movie because I think they're watching it expecting like a serious movie like the original. Yeah. Because if you're watching it expecting like serious, good, you know, yeah, you're horror not and get stuff that. like that. 
no, 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 no. You shouldn't watch it like that. It's like no. watching Beverly Hills Ninja expecting like a fucking great Jackie Chan <laughs> flick or something. You know, it's like, no, you're, you're missing the point. To be fair, one of them is named Beverly Hills Ninja, so you kind of know what you're getting into. You kind of know. You should know. You should it would know. be like if Beverly Hills Ninja, if you walked into it, it was a serious movie about Chris Farley training to be a ninja. <laughs> Like, that's not really what I was expecting, but I'm here for it. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Because, like, yes, you go into Wicker Man, it's like, okay, no, this is not this the really awesome, serious, original. This is some weird piece of art, though. Like, <laughs> I, I'm enjoying watching it. Hell yeah, man. Awesome. Well, I watched myself a few things this week. I got a couple of horror flicks I watched. I got a couple of not horror flicks that I watched. While I was working out on the elliptical machine, shedding some calories and fats the other day, I decided to put on Warlock featuring old Julian Sands yeah. from 19, I think 1990 is when that came out. Uh-huh. It's on Prime right now. I had never seen it before. I loved it. I thought that it was just like a really awesome late 80s, early 90s fun, like it's not really horror. It's like supernatural action, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah, it is considered horror but yeah it's very much a weird uh genre bending movie if it is horror because it, it, it's a strange one i haven't seen it in a long time i actually was wanting to watch it more recently so i have to check it out where did you watch it i think it's on prime right now okay. and one thing that really struck me about it is like okay because julian sands is like the 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 warlock himself right and he's in this like 1600s kind of gear and he's got this like you know blonde hair and a ponytail yeah, yeah. and stuff Whenever you watch it, I just want you to enjoy how he looks exactly like really early Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. <laughs> Dude, it's insane. He looks exactly like early era Triple H. It was cracking me up the entire time. Oh, man. There's a universe where Vince McMahon saw Warlock and he was like, this is what I want you to do, pal. <laughs> and then he walked out of the room with his arms going all crazy in the air. Yeah, and everybody was like, that dude is in charge. <laughs> <laughs> He's got that in charge kind of walk. Yeah, I want to watch the other ones now because I think there's like maybe two or three of them, right? Yeah, yeah, I know there were some sequels. I never saw the sequels, but did see the first. I think that was one I saw on like USA, uh, maybe even on Up All Night back in the day. But um, Ooh, look out. Yeah, that that's a weird one. I, I but I had been wanting to revisit it, so I'm glad to hear that it's on Prime. I gotta check that out. Hell yeah, man! Yeah, give that a scope out. I also watched another movie this week that I'm going to try my best to describe to you, but you're just going to be convinced that I started a movie, fell asleep, blind drunk, and just had a crazy fucking fever dream. I'm excited for this one. I'm talking about a movie called The Carrier. And this movie I watched for free on YouTube because uh, our friends over on the Say Love Satan 80s Horror Podcast were talking about it on their show because Jessup watched it. He was describing this movie, and I was like, this doesn't sound like a real movie. I have to find this and watch it. All so right. I put it on. Dude, I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they wrote this movie or anything like that, but I'm pretty sure what they did is, like, maybe a guy just sat down with a notepad next to some, like, you know, piss bum on the streets that was having like a crazy, like he just drank a whole bottle of Listerine, like fever oh. dream. And he just transcribed what the guy was mumbling. Okay. It makes zero sense. I'm going to try to give you a quick synopsis. 
but you're going to be like, that's too much stuff to be in a movie. This isn't a movie, but it is. All right. Okay. I'm excited. There's a sleepy little town on an island. There's a guy that lives on this island that's kind of an outcast. Everybody in the town hates him because he uh, accidentally burnt down his house and killed his family. So he lives as an outcast. How dare he lose his family? Fuck him, dude. What a dick. So one night he is attacked by this never explained, never clearly seen like black beast. It kind of looks like a like a fucking Sasquatch or like Bigfoot or something like that. This black beast attacks him, okay. and scratches him, and then runs out into the rain and like dissolves. That's odd. So, <laughs> yeah. Also that night there's a huge storm that like knocks out the power on the island and uh and stuff like that. And, oh yeah, and also cuts off a bridge. So the island is now like basically in the stone age, right? Okay. Weird stuff starts happening where like random like animals and people and stuff like that start touching random inanimate objects and they're like kind of dis- dissolved or like absorbed into it like a little bird like lands on a book and just like melts into the book all right so all these Normal random stuff. inanimate yeah. objects yeah all these random inanimate objects in town are like destroying people if they touch them comes to find out that it's like because this guy got attacked by this beast he has some kind of curse and anything that he touches will like dissolve people that then touch that object right okay so the town is trying to figure out what's going on they don't know that it's him yet they're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on so what they start doing is everybody walks around with like a little baby chick like a baby chicken you know Right. And they touch the chicken to everything to make sure that it's safe. Because if you go to touch a doorknob and it dissolves a chicken, that means you, you can't touch it. I, oh, wait. Yeah, no, I yeah. played this game as a kid. Yeah, you got to touch a doorknob, it dissolves a chicken. It's been around twice. Uh, that makes yeah, you rather nice. Don't <laughs> step on a crack. Yeah, I understand all this. Yeah, this is the movie version of that story. But they run out of chicks, so they start trying to wrangle in all the hundreds of stray cats that are on this island. Duh. And people are, like, fighting over and hoarding cats and stuff like that that they use to touch objects with to see if they will... So like now. Yeah, pretty much like now, you know? (laughs) Strangely prophetic movie. So anything that they find that is a is you know a killer object they wrap it in like red tape or red cloth or anything to kind of shield it off and they start calling them red objects okay and the town doctor advises everybody to like wrap themselves in plastic uh-huh or like you know cloth or burlap or whatever but he recommends plastic because it's non-porous and stuff so at this point the town kind of splits into two factions oh obviously Half of the town that wears, like, white or clear plastic, that's, like, the good Christian religious people. And then there's, like, all the bikers and stuff like that in town that wear black plastic. Right. And they're warring over cats and stuff. Obviously. And, (laughs) dude, this fucking movie. I'm telling you, man. Like, and and I don't don't even want to spoil the ending for you. I'm not going to spoil the ending. Oh, good. But it just goes... (laughs) Off the fucking rails. This movie is But it started bizarre. out on them. Yeah, it started like, off pretty on rails the rails. Yeah. It was like, yeah, obviously they hoard cats, you know, etc. Mm-hmm. Bikers wear black. Uh, the Christians Killer wear Sasquatch white. Killer Sasquatch creature. Killer Sasquatch creature. I mean, yeah. 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 Then it goes weird after that. After that, what? 
it's somehow like one of the most bizarre, badly made, yet extremely creative movies that I think I've ever seen. Okay. It's bizarre. Like there's imagery and stuff in there that is legit, like still in my head and really creative and really cool. But then also like none of the fucking dialogue makes any sense. It clearly was like written by an alien being like, this is what humans do, right? We make movies and they talk like this. Like none of the dialogue makes any fucking sense. You can watch it on YouTube. I recommend it, dude. You're not going to believe how fucking weird this movie is. What was it called again? The Carrier. The Carrier. Okay. And I think it's 1988, but you can find the whole thing on YouTube. I would love for you to check it out and let me know what you think about it and how much sense you think the movie makes. Okay. That that sounds like <laughs> that sounds like one we might even save for a Friday night streaming Oh, chat. perfect. Yes, perfect. That'd be great, man. So yeah, check that one out. Also watched a couple of non-horror flicks. We watched Waiting for Guffman the other night. It's been a long time since I watched that one. Christopher Guest movie. Yeah. Uh, another mockumentary. God damn, it's so fucking funny, man. I guess I've kind of yeah. rewatched basically all the Christopher Guest movies within the past year or so. And this might this might be a real hot take. Uh-oh. Here it comes. I think Spinal Tap actually might be the least funny one. Huh. And I know that just seems strange considering the subject matter is so near and dear to my heart, but dude, yeah. when you compare it to Guffman or um, Mighty Wind or Best in Show, like those just have so many more laughs and just stay fucking hilarious. I think I might agree with you, yeah. Spinal Tap does seem to drag at times. It does. Like, at the end, it kind of gets sort of serious, and there's not really all that many jokes or anything. It's still really good. Like, I love Spinal Tap, obviously. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. But man, those other ones are just great. Yeah. We also decided that we would start rewatching through the X-Men series, just to have a oh, good, damn. easy, dumb watch that we don't really have to, like, pay much attention to because we've seen them before. So uh-huh. we watched that very first Brian Singer X-Men movie, and I'll tell you what. It really feels exactly like what an X-Men movie made in the... When was that? Was that the year 2000 or 2001? Something like that. Was it? It really feels it exactly like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're you're right. That is how it feels. <laughs> it's like no real big surprises. Yeah. You go back and watch that and it's like, yeah, that's about what I thought that it would be. <laughs> it's not terrible. It uh, doesn't... Like now when you look back at it, it's like, oh yeah, no, like comic book movies are just better now. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, like I, yeah, I'd much rather watch uh, that that Harley Quinn movie than watch that first X Men again. Honestly. Oh yeah. So yeah, I think so too, man. Yeah, but um, it's it's not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. I look yeah. forward to watching the other ones. I remember X two being really good. X three being really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I I have rewatched uh those three recently, along with yeah. Days of Future Past and and several of the others. And uh, X2 did kind of stand up. Still not as as good as I remembered because now I've seen so many others that are more, I, I think are better adaptations of comic books. Uh, but it's still awesome. And Fomka Jensen is fucking awesome. And I, I mean, you know, that cast was great. There's like, a good cast in there for yeah. sure. So looking forward to watching through some more of those. Um, also, this just in, I literally just read this um, in a text message just now as we are recording this. Derek Chauvin has been found guilty. Oh, fuck yeah. Of what? Yeah. 
Uh, I haven't read that far into it. I, ass- I assume manslaughter because he what, fucking what, killed George Floyd. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. What if the person suddenly texted you of being a handsome son of a bitch? Aw, <laughs> oh, damn Fuck. it. What? The jury not only found him not guilty of all the other stuff, they also decided to tell him he's handsome. Oh my god. No, yeah, apparently he's guilty on all counts. Yeah, Fuck so yeah. like murder with awesome. without intent and not premeditated and all these. So good. yeah, he's uh he's apparently fucked. Um I hope so. G- good. I mean yeah. sorry, yeah. sorry y'all. Like it's not I'm, policemen's I'm not. jobs to be fucking executioners, guys. Nope. Come on. You know? And, and I don't care. This is uh, just political soapbox. Is it political? No, it's not. It's not political. No, there's nothing political about not no. wanting police to be killing civilians. No, huh? And it's like, I don't give a fuck if dude was on every drug known to man. Yeah. You know, like some people say that he was or what. I don't give a fuck. Not one of those is an executable offense. No, exactly right, man. So, good. I'm glad to see some justice being served, and I hope that it brings some peace to the families. um of George Floyd and stuff, because holy uh, shit, man! I don't, I don't think it does. I mean, I don't think, I don't think it does. It doesn't matter if you send cops to jail, and the the system perpetuates. Like, mm. you you send one to jail, sure, it's nice. You know, others are still gonna get off for sure. doing the same terrible shit. You, the system changing would make a lot of families happy. Right, right. It's it's insane though that a video uh, of the man just murdering someone uh, cruelly in front of people uh, wasn't enough for us to know that he'd still be found guilty. Like we were still like, I just assumed maybe I just assumed he'd be found not guilty. (laughs) Yeah, right. Right? But you know what? Here's the thing: there was video and stuff, but he was on the job. So yeah, 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 yeah. Piece of shit. Yeah, because anyway. if there was like a, a video of me flat out murdering somebody during a concert or a guitar lesson, like it would You're be working. up for debate whether I should go to jail yeah. or not, right? Yeah, guitarists <laughs> do have that right. That is true, though. Nah, yeah, I get away with you, a lot. You got to look into the law where you're at. It depends. True. <laughs> so yeah way to go. Glad that that's going on there. Yeah, I awesome. love seeing murderers get put behind bars. Fine with that. Other movie we watched this week, just a good old weekend watch, we decided to put on a little movie that features a little baby and three men. I'm talking about three men and a baby. Oh, damn. I'll tell you this. We kind of expected it to, like, really have not aged very well at all, right? Right, yeah. To- probably, like, a bunch of toxic male roles that ju- there's yeah. the burning. Uh-huh. Yeah, that somehow it would still end up, like not good like they'd be like oh a woman to take care of the baby right and there kind of is like a little bit of that and Mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot of just like there's some chauvinistic stuff and all that in there i'm sure um but there's even a part where you know like tom Selleck is like hey woman what do i do with this baby you're a woman and she's like why do you think i would know because i'm a woman and then she just leaves and it's like oh okay so they were kind of aware of some of the stuff that was going on here with these with these roles but you know it's the kind of thing that i'll put it to you this way what it made me really, really appreciate, you know, through watching these scenes where it's just like you have all these men that that don't know how to change a baby's diaper or like rock a baby or make a bottle or like even shop for baby food and stuff like this and just how inept they are with it. Right. It really made me very appreciative and very hopeful for 
the generation of fathers that's like our friends and stuff, man, because mm-hmm. all of our friends that have kids, uh, like like you know Mitch and uh, you know Brandon when he was with us, and um, all of our buddies that have kids are fucking great dads yeah. that are super involved with raising their kids and do every bit as much stuff as their partner, mm-hmm. which of course makes fucking sense. I cannot believe that like to our parents the idea was, oh, you have a kid and then it's the woman's responsibility, right? Dad comes home from work and he puts his feet up in the den and watches TV till bedtime. Mom will take care of it. Like, come on, man. It's so fucked up. Yeah, things have definitely changed and improved and that, that's good. I've seen that with uh, with my brother too, which is something I was kind of surprised by because, like, you know, uh, he's he's a he's a good old Southern boy, but uh, he's also always making his kids food and taking care of them, making sure they do their homework and stuff. Solid, yeah. dad uh, behavior, exactly what uh, you would expect, but not what we necessarily grew up with. Yeah, totally, man. So go, young dads. Good for you guys doing it right, being a part of those kids' lives, and helping fucking. Do the work and stuff. And Good also, go all. moms for go thanklessly mom. doing those things. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Good on you. So yeah, watch some good stuff this week. And I'll tell you what, Steve, with you having your second dose of that vaccine and mine on the horizon, it's just got me reminiscing and thinking about all the events, what took place from 2020. It's got me Little River Band style reminiscent so steve i say before we get on into the movie review how about we just take a little pit stop at the preview palace i've been thinking about you Ooh, yeah can't stop thinking about you preview palace Mm. (laughs) that's good that's a little musical number there huh yeah (laughs) i like it very good and steve let's talk about our phases of our quarantine lifestyle because i know that everybody that's been going through this year at least in the states Everybody seemed to go through that, like, making sourdough bread phase, and then the, <laughs> yeah. I'm really getting into gardening phase, and all that kind of thing, Yeah, right? we all did a lot of similar things, especially early in the quarantine. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah we're all watching Tiger King, or, you know, we're mm-hmm. watching that Bulls documentary series, et cetera. Like, yeah. I didn't do either of those. I blew it. Yeah, you did. You blew it. Um, But, yeah, there are a lot of phases that, that people have been going through, and I I wanted to talk about them because I noticed that they all kind of, not 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 everybody did everything. I didn't make any bread. You didn't make any bread. I did not. But uh, a lot of people started doing a lot of the same things, and I really hope that these are things that are going to stick around. We'll see. Some of them I do. Some of them I'll be okay to let go of, and we'll cover those as we go. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. I think a lot of people got creative and crafty with coming up ways to entertain their kids Uh and feed themselves and stuff like that. And that was really very inspiring to see. And I hope that, you know, if people have picked up the habits of cooking and stuff like that during quarantine when all the restaurants were closed down and maybe they didn't want to go out and sit in a restaurant and stuff, I hope they keep those habits with them. Yeah, hell yeah. You uh, definitely, if you've got into cooking during quarantine, man, that is something to keep pursuing. Because the better you get at it, the better food you eat. It's insane. It's so cool. You get good (laughs) at cooking and then you can make yourself food that's so good that you don't even want to go out. It's amazing. It's a good thing. Yeah. That's right. That's right. What do you think the first phase 
of your COVID life was like, Steve? What's the first phase you went through? Oh man, it was, uh, and this this was a phase that like I really enjoyed actually, but it was it was uh, researching and learning how to work out at home. Oh yeah, because the gyms were all closing down and stuff. You got to figure out some way to keep shredded. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I I uh, I probably watched hours and hours of videos on on youtube and just went through like so many different articles and things about like the most effective workouts and like you know the safest workouts and things i i just obsessed about it because i i was really worried about because i had been going to the gym for over a year uh, at the point that the pandemic started and you know i just started to feel like i was seeing results and i was so happy with it and i, I just yeah, could not let it fall off yeah so obsessed about those things and uh <laughs> i have now gone through so many workout phases just because of it too like things that i've tried uh including for a while there where i just did a hundred crossfit burpees a day that was Jesus my entire Christ, workout man. that's all i would do and by the way, got so much better at push-ups by doing it. I bet. Did you like lose some weight and stuff doing that too? Uh, I, I saw my physique change a little bit. Um, okay. All right. You know, burpee burpees only burn about thirteen calories per minute, so you're not dealing with like a heavy like calorie burning workout. But as far as like, well, you know what muscle groups it actually like activates is it's everything you need basically yeah totally yeah but it, it's I also hate i hate him so much probably <laughs> it's not a good idea to do that um but i mean really the problem is you're dealing with some wrist issues when you're going down like you can sure. cause some like wrist or elbow problems or you know if you, you can just get caught up in your feet or whatever you can kind of get fucked up in the motion and hurt something and uh, and not that it's a bad workout i still do the crossfit burpee pretty regularly but doing it that often you just put yourself in so many situations where you might just hurt yourself and I know younger people listening are probably like, whatever, old man, I don't care if I hurt myself. I'm going to fucking do a box jump over the moon. We are old, cool. though. So. But I am old, <laughs> and if <laughs> yeah. I injure something, that shit's injured. So I, I don't, I, I try to mitigate risk. So yeah, yeah, I've, I've gone through so many different workouts and learned so much, like the safest workouts and best workouts, most efficient workouts. Push-ups are amazing. Uh, all sorts of stuff that I've learned is definitely going with me after uh, coming out of quarantine. Word. Yeah, I get that, man. And that's honestly a habit that I've gained during this entire year that has really blown me away and I absolutely intend sticking with because at the start of 2020 is when I first started going to a gym um, for the first yeah. time ever. I'd never gone to a gym ever. And I kind of got in the habit, kind of got in the rhythm of it, and I was enjoying it. And then everything shut down. I was like, well, I guess we'll figure out a way to work out at home. So we went through a few phases as well, where like initially we were doing like Pilates workouts several times a week. We were doing yoga and stuff like that for a while. Uh -huh. And that was cool. And then we got like an elliptical machine and we were both doing that for a while. And then I think my most recent phase has been uh, doing some like 
dumbbell workouts and stuff with right. um, a YouTube channel that I found by this guy Bully Juice. I was posting about him on Instagram. Oh yeah, a couple yeah. weeks you ago. You sent me a few of those videos too. That guy knows what yeah. he's doing. Oh man, he's got some like great cardio workouts and stuff. Some great stuff with dumbbells and all that. So that's kind of been my newest phase of my workout and stuff like that. And I fully intend on sticking with it, man. Because I'll tell you this: whenever you know uh, we get the vaccines and all that kind of stuff, and I can go back to the gym. I definitely will, but I still kind of plan on having a couple days a week where I can stay home and exercise and do some of the stuff I was doing because yeah. I love being able to watch a movie of my choice Oh, at that's home. the best, yeah, and not having to deal with the fact that Fox News is playing on the TV Dude. next to the TV you're watching. Uh, oh my God, man. Like At our gym, it's always like, yeah, ESPN and stuff like that. Like I give a shit less about any of that, so yeah. I'm usually just listening to music or podcasts or whatever, so... I'm definitely going to miss being able to, you know, like I talked about earlier, turn on Warlock and watch that while I fucking sweat in my undies. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm still going to use my elliptical at home for sure. <laughs> I, yeah. I definitely do love that ability to just, uh, as you said, just turn on a horror movie. It's like an hour 20, an hour 30. Do like 15, 20 miles on the elliptical. It's great. Yeah, no doubt, man. I think the first big phase that I kind of went through, you know, my first couple months of 2020 were extremely busy with gigs and stuff. Gigs with all uh-huh. different acts. So I was constantly cramming, like, you know, in between students, in between making videos, in between gigs. It was learning for the next gig, and my brain was just fucking toast. I was really, <laughs> really burnt out. And honestly, most of 2019 was the same way, too. 2019 was, like, nonstop gigs. I think I learned, like, 400-something songs that year. I mean, that's, like... More than one Decent. a day. That's stupid, man. So going into the quarantine era, I was kind of like, man, this will be a nice little recharge of my batteries and also an opportunity to see if there's any musical identity left in me anymore. Because like, when you're doing nothing but transcribing other people's music, playing other people's music, gigging with other people and stuff like that, it becomes really easy to silence your own ideas and your own creativity. It's like there's only so yeah. much of that. There's only so much brain power you can put out towards playing music. And if 90% of your time is playing other people's stuff, your own creativity tends to, to atrophy, you know? Right, yeah. And so kind of going into this being like, oh, man, I'm not going to have to learn any tunes for a while. I hope I still have a musical identity. It was actually really refreshing for me to have some time where I could just be like, Let's work on some songs for me. Like, I put out more original music last year than I ever have because I actually had time to. And uh, it's really, really refreshing for me to recharge the batteries like that, especially after how how busy the last couple of years have been. And uh, and honestly, too, I mean, just the, the rewarding experience of devoting time for music for me, you know, for writing my own tunes and recording and stuff like that, it's one of those things that has also kind of reshaped my mentality a little bit where, you know, whenever gigs become a thing again, I'm going to start saying no a lot more, honestly. Like, oh, okay. It's going to be hard to resist because I just want to get out and play for any and every reason right now. But at the same time, it's like I got to remember saying yes to every gig is what landed me in this period where I was learning 500 songs a year or whatever. Right. And having no time for myself. So... Yeah, I think honestly, I've kind of learned over the past year that it's like, okay, I can say no more and devote more time to myself and be more fulfilled and have more of a musical um, record of my own thoughts. So 
cool things. That's awesome. Yeah. But now my batteries are very recharged and I'm just really fucking ready to go play some music again. Hell yeah. Ben, you and I both, uh, I think, have gone through different phases of retail therapy. That we have. <laughs> that we have. Yes. Sometimes just like blowing a little bit of money on something superfluous, whether that be, you know, some pedals of gear you don't need can be a nice thing. It's good to have something to look forward to. That's something that I'll say about the effectiveness of like a little bit of retail therapy during these trying times. Oh, yeah. I think that so many of us have just had this sort of fog over our brains because there's just kind of nothing to look forward to. Exactly. Yes. You know? And if you order like, tomorrow's something, gotta be the same as today. it's coming. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, exactly, man. It's like something, something to look new. forward to. Yeah. So I went through a weird phase where I bought a ton of shoes, and I have zero regrets about it. I've always been like a buy one pair of shoes and wear it for like five years, then buy another pair of shoes mm-hmm. kind of guy. But for whatever reason, I was just like, I don't know. I'll just buy a bunch of different pairs of Adidas and stuff and no regrets. Love it. (laughs) Turning out, I'm just kind of a shoe guy. I also bought some shoes. I I am not... I am not like you. I'm not the the wear out a pair of shoes. I've I've owned a whole lot of shoes. I like shoes a a lot. Uh, I actually trained the Facebook to only show me ads of shoes. Wow. And, uh... I... It actually kind of worked, I guess, for them because I did end up buying one pair of shoes that I saw on Facebook. But uh, I, I did too. I, I bought because I, I needed some shoes, and then like it, it was, it was such a hassle because I would order a pair of shoes. I ordered this awesome uh, pair of Pumas. They got here. Turns out my my f- feet are too wide for them. Ah. Uh. Yeah. So I got to send them back. I, I bought a pair of Adidas. They came. Uh, turns out their sizes are a little bit too small. So I mm. had to return them. They didn't have that same design in the same shoe size. So I have to pick a different design now with my new shoe size. Turns out those rocked, though. So you're a real Goldilocks shopping for some shoes here, aren't you? Yeah. But I, I have <laughs> I have bought three pairs of shoes during the pandemic. So... Yes. <laughs> I'm with you, dude. I'm with you. Yeah, dude. It's just good to have something to look forward to. And I know that was the case, too, whenever I was kind of going through my my video game phase uh-huh. of, uh, of quarantine, where, like, over the summer there, actually, last year for our anniversary, we got a Nintendo Switch for ourselves. Yeah. And, man, I got way down the rabbit hole playing, like, Hollow Knight and stuff like that. I talked about that on the show. And that was just, like, my nightly ritual. It was just, like, pour a glass of, of brown liquor and play some Hollow Knight and get wrapped up in that world because it's cool to be somewhere else. <laughs> That's true. It's so cool. It's very cool to not be in the same room that you're always in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of refreshing. So I went through a big video game phase. We also like right at the start of quarantine went through this board game phase where we were playing like yeah, like board games and stuff. We got a couple of games that we ordered and all that jazz and had a lot of fun doing that. We actually kind of fell away from that a little bit, but I'd like to get back into it. So we got like Quirkle and stuff. That's such a fun game to play. So I haven't played that. One. We kind of had like a little little cocktail and board game hour there for quite a while, as well as we were doing some like um, like Zoom games with friends and stuff like that uh-huh. for a while. That was kind of a regular routine. And then I kind of figured that everybody would lose interest in that, you know, doing Zoom hangs and stuff like that. Because man, alive, I really wish the technology was there to where people wouldn't you know, mute each other when they talk over each other and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, Zoom's got The technology's got some issues. not there. Yeah. Definitely so, some issues there. 
it's better than nothing. It was absolutely, you know, better than doing nothing, especially during the winter months where we couldn't even go and, you know, sit on a patio or something like that. But yeah, that was definitely an interesting phase too. And that was, that was fun. Just catching up with everybody and seeing everybody every week for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I also been have, and I'm still in the midst of a, uh, fingernail painting phase. And this is uh, just me trying to figure out how to do it. It's hard. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. I, I I'm getting better at it. I I can be patient enough not to fuck it up, but it still never looks as good as uh, uh it does any time my wife does it. Also, part of the retail therapy was me buying fingernail polish. Mm-hmm. Just have several bottles of polish here, and I will just practice on my my thumb while I'm watching a movie for the the show or whatever, and uh, I'll just like. You know, let it dry, see how it looks, wipe it off, try again. Like, I've been trying to get better at it. Still not good enough that I, like, want people to see it. (laughs) But you're working on it. I'm working on it. You know, I I don't know. I I feel like if you're going to do something, do it right, right? That's exactly right, man. Yeah. You know, one one phase that I went through that I'm still kind of in and trying to get out of a little bit, and this is honestly one of those things that I want to get out of, but... This was started with good intent, okay? Mm -hmm. Because, like, with us living in the city and all that jazz, you know, we get to know all the local restaurants. The restaurants and stuff like this are mainly owned by our friends and stuff. And at the start of quarantine, when, like, everything was shutting down and restaurants could only do to-go and all that jazz, like, we didn't want to see our beloved local eateries and breweries go under. Okay. So we were like, we're going to start ordering out food more often, and going to the local breweries and getting beer at the window and stuff, because I don't want these places to shut down. I mean, God knows the government wasn't fucking helping anybody right. that was trying to own a business and stuff through this entire thing. So it was like, if we don't support them and go buy food and stuff and give good tips, they're going to go under. So it kind of became like, a, okay, we need to eat out at a couple of places this week. And then that just kind of becomes a rhythm. Okay. You know, like you kind of get used to... Oh, we haven't eaten at that place this week. Okay, let's order that. Well, we haven't done this for lunch this week. Okay, let's order that. And don't get me wrong. Of course, there's some amazing restaurants and stuff, and I'm very glad to have supported them during their most trying times. But it's not that healthy to eat out that much. No. Even if you're eating... I mean, it's not like we're eating burgers every night or anything like that. It's a lot well, of lighter I mean, burgers lighter wouldn't be and, worse than most of the food that you probably are eating, though, because yeah. they're not making it... For themselves, they're making it to sell it. It is yeah. full of all sorts of calories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like everything that you order in a restaurant that tastes so good is because they're using an embarrassing amount of butter and stuff that you'd never use if you were making it at home because you'd feel ashamed about it if you were doing that. Yeah. So kind of got into this rhythm. And again, I'm happy to have supported them and stuff. But I can definitely say that if we hadn't done it that much... Uh-huh. Um, I would be much further along with my workout and physical <laughs> progress for sure. That. Especially yeah. where like the the booze and stuff like that comes from as well. Because like <laughs> I said, like trying to support the breweries and liquor stores and stuff like that. Like, I mean, when every day is the same, the entertainment value becomes like, what are we gonna eat and drink tonight? Let's change it up. Let's do something different. You know? Let's. I, hey, I found this cocktail recipe. I want to make that. Let's go to the liquor store and get the stuff. And uh, yeah, man, I kind of kind of want to get out of that habit i've been trying to cook at home a lot more because i was also trying to reduce my trips to the store and stuff like that as much as i could as well so 
just meant having less groceries in the house and cooking less too. So ready to get out of that habit, but only sort of regret doing it. <laughs> I uh, have not been going out at all, and can't you live wait. in country. Yeah, and I I can't wait to go to a restaurant and just Lord, eat. Yes, gonna be nice. But yeah, uh, I think I think those are all the big phases for me. Other than we both, of course, sat down and watched the entire MCU. All of point. them. Yep. That was I'll good. Do that again. Honestly, yeah. that was good to me. Yeah, yeah totally. I'll do, I'll do that I'll do again. It no again, problem. For sure. <laughs> no regrets about that one, man. Nope, I kind of not at all. rediscovered some favorites that I didn't yeah. know that I had and also remembered how horrible that first Hulk movie was. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was time. not good, that first Hulk movie. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So I look forward to hearing what our listeners memorable covid phases have been too i want to hear about those over on the facebook group there's been some good old chatter happening over there so go sign up for that facebook group today join us hang out with the cool kids and tell us about your memorable covid phases now i never did the home haircut phase that was something everybody did for a while i have not had a haircut at all um and i haven't either i don't like i I probably won't ever again i'll just get trims my wife can trim long hair i didn't realize for my entire life that you can just grow your hair long and then you don't have to worry as much about it you know how much work short hair is it's so much you gotta maintain it like crazy man yeah it's so much fucking work oh my gosh long hair has been so awesome it's (laughs) it's hot that is a problem i'll definitely probably uh once i get back to the gym that episode i'll be like so yeah i cut off all my hair (laughs) yeah (laughs) it does get toasty it's true yeah but man it's been so much easier because i needed a haircut before the pandemic started like Mm -hmm. i had had probably six months of growth at that point (laughs) so it has just been growing dude i'll tell you the last haircut that i got was in like january of 2020 and at first I was like really mad about it because I went to a different barber that I usually go to. Uh-huh. And at that time, my hair was crazy long. It was like some of the longest it's ever been. And I was like, okay, I need this trimmed shorter. I still play in a hair metal band though. So it needs to be, you know, at least to like my collarbone length. And I don't, I don't know if you remember it, but man, she cut my hair so fucking short. It was like, I looked like Lord Farquaad. Like it was down <laughs> to my chin. It was ridiculous. So I had that like Farquaad look going for a while. That's funny. But now I'm thankful for it because it's been well over a year since I've had a haircut. My hair is at like a respectable length again. And if I hadn't got it cut that short, it'd be down to my damn knees by now because my hair grows crazy fast. Yeah, mine grows really fast too and it's thick as hell. I, I do I do foresee myself like once I start working out really regretting the idea of having long hair because it's like just wearing a a knit cap at all times <laughs> kind of yeah you got some thick hair too. i do man. yeah i got, I got real thick hair so i but I, it's man i so much less hassle so much less hassle than than short hair fuck short hair all right steve the subject of our show today is return to horror high from uh-huh. 19 19- uh-huh, 87, that's right, as you said. Yes, exactly as I said, 1987. And this is the first time 
that I watched this movie, and I watched this movie because it was a Patreon pick. Uh-huh, yeah, it was submitted by Anna Martin, Ango McDango, from the uh, Friday Night Screaming chat. Look out. Yeah, it's a, it's a movie that the box art of it is forever emblazoned in my mind from the video store back in the day. It's uh, Oh, yeah, like the skeleton cheerleader? Yeah, skeleton thing? cheerleader. Yeah. Always emblazoned in my mind. This movie, however, I did see it as a kid, but didn't stick in my head. And I think I know why that is. Watching it now with, like, some knowledge of the horror industry and stuff, I see this as uh, a really, really great, like, parody spoof meta horror about how silly the behind-the-scenes horror industry is. Uh... But as a kid, it was just like, oh, boobies and stuff dies. And what is happening at the end? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, what? What's going on here? Yeah, I I completely get that, man. I think that if I would have watched this one when I was a kid, I would have been extremely confused. And a lot of the best parts about it would have definitely flown over my head. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what I was expecting out of this movie. Like, I guess I was just thinking it was going to be another high school slasher slasher kind of movie. I knew that it was supposed to be kind of a comedy. So I was like, I don't know, maybe it's like a trauma style uh, (laughs) high school slasher or something like that. But as soon as it starts off, it kind of gives you that Blair Witch style, like found footage, uh, meta horror kind of thing where it's like at this school, there were some murders that happened. A film crew has returned to make a documentary uh, well, not a documentary, but like a, a movie based on those killings. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, this isn't really what I was expecting at all. Yeah, it's very meta. And and it's, um, I mean, comparing it to, because we've, we've talked in the past how uh, there is this sort of meta horror element pre-Scream that obviously existed. Scream just kind of really popularized meta horror sure this is this is this seems so far ahead for that time like this is nine years ahead of scream and and this is basically scream three because scream three is when they're making the film of stab and the 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 kills are actually happening on the set of the film that's basically the the description of this movie that came out in 1987 man and you gotta think too like 1987, that means it was probably written 85 or 86. I mean, this is like Mm -hmm. in the heyday of the 80s slasher movie. And the writers of this were already kind of seeing the the writing on the wall, so to speak, so far in advance where they're like, oh, yeah, this is just becoming a parody of itself. Let's make a movie making (laughs) fun of it. But it's like so in the middle of that slasher boom that I bet it just sailed over a lot of people's heads. Well, I don't. Yeah, I mean, obviously from the fact that it only made 1.2 in the box office and it's not one you hear about a lot. Yeah, it did sail over a lot of people's heads, but it's also it's also at the time where the horror industry is starting to add a little more of the levity in because this is the same year that um uh Nightmare on Elm Street 3 comes out, Dream Warriors. And okay, yeah. that's a lot more, like, jokey and funny than the, the first two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, we've seen that with, like, you know, Friday the 13th Part uh, 6 came out the year before this. And while that is, like, my absolute favorite, it's also, like, meta horror. It's also, like, jokey and silly. 
as sure. well as being awesome. So it, there, there's already that like running through it. But again, like, yeah, I mean, this is just the idea of this being so meta that it is about the filming of a horror movie. And it's way more meta than that. When we get into it, we'll get into yeah. like all the levels of why this is that meta. But it, it, it is, um, it's an outlier, I think. And probably, yeah, just w people didn't know what to do with it. Like, what, what is yeah. this? What is happening here? Sure. And I imagine, too, that, you know, again, with just how the movie industry and the, the consumer industry was and stuff back then, a lot of the humor in this movie that's based around what it was like being on the set of those movies, I'm sure must have, like, really not hit with a lot of people. Of course, you know, nowadays, whenever we watch these documentaries like Never Sleep Again and... Uh -huh. Um, all these other, you know, just huge, great horror documentaries that we have about the 80s slasher scene, you watch this movie and you're like, oh my God, like sleazy producer, yeah. writer with all this integrity. Yeah. And, uh, they, yeah. It, and everybody's kind of after different things. <laughs> the director who's like, he kind of does care and he knows what he's talking about, but he's also full of shit and just a stoner. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Like we watch that now you know, and we're like, oh, yeah, this is exactly how they were describing it in those documentaries yeah. that we watched. But I wonder if to people in 1987, if they were like, oh, it's no way it's like this on movie sets. Everybody's professional and serious and <laughs> making, you know, horror movies. I don't, I don't know. Like, I wonder how people reacted to that back then. I think I think the Fangoria readers, the, the you know, the people who bought the monster magazines of the 80s and, yeah. and they were very popular uh, among among the kids. I think those people seeing this would have gotten a little bit of it, like would have been mm -hmm. like, yeah, that seems from the interviews I've read, that's how special effects artists seem to be. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it, it, it it's like really inside baseball, the, the level of humor and stuff, what's going on there. And it, it is a little more inaccessible in 1987 than it is now in 2021 when yeah as you said like you can watch a documentary about 80s horror and find out real quick like yeah this is not too far off <laughs> like, no like they're obviously making a joke of of each of these characters but it's also like yeah there are characters i could s see there might be uh spoofing here yeah yeah and too i mean even the fact that they had hot, young, upcoming hunk George Clooney who, like, as soon as the movie starts, he's like, yeah, I got to leave. I got a better role. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's like, that was probably accurate. Like, I bet that actually did happen on the set of some movie. Maybe that happened on Killer Tomatoes or something. Because he, he had just finished Facts of Life or maybe was just coming up on the end of his run on Facts of Life. He did, like, 17 episodes of Facts of Life, which was, you know, I guess the biggest thing for him up to that point. Uh, but, yeah, like... To, to have that, to have that, like, all the things that happen, and the way they even reference the, you know, the low budget of it, and, like, you know, people do just stop coming into work. It, like, the fact that people are missing isn't really that big of a surprise, because there's not a budget to pay them, so... Uh, like, yeah, all of that stuff is just... It's so accurate. <laughs> but also, like... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much people would have related back then. Yeah. Do you know anything about the the actual writers of this movie? There's not really a lot of trivia floating around about this thing. Yeah. 
I couldn't find a whole lot. Um, I mean, we got uh, Bill Froelich and Mark Listen are listed, and then Dana Escalante and, and Greg H. Sims. And, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of TV work I see from, from some of them. And, actually, that's pretty true of the cast, too, a lot of TV work. Uh, it, it is... I mean, it's got some some people you'll recognize. Oh, I yeah. think specifically Alex Rocco, who plays Harry, the the sleazy producer. Oh yeah, man! I know him. As soon as he came on screen, I was like, "That's the guy that yells at the O'Neaters while he's eating a sandwich." <laughs> That's how most that people thing would you know do. him. <laughs> yeah, dude, Sal. He plays yeah, Sal or in he's, that movie. He, you know, he's Mo Green in The Godfather or whatever. No, you know, big deal. He was in an episode of Golden Girls too. Probably what you know him from. Thank you for being a friend. I've been watching some Golden Girls, man. That's great. Alex Rocco is all... Uh, yeah, I, oh, huh, huh, my brain just... <laughs> it, it was like, I'm oh, going to say something, and then you said Golden Girls is great, and my brain was like, go back to that. Oh. Yes, it is. Yes, man, love you didn't, Golden Girls. You didn't used to do that before you got that vaccine, dude. Is that no, vaccine fuck the vaccine. Scrambling your brain. Up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Awesome. Golden Girls. Love it. Uh... Anyway, yeah, no, uh, but yeah, Alex Rocco, you recognize from a ton of stuff, or even just his voice. He did a lot of uh, voice stuff because he has a very distinctive, awesome voice. He's great, yeah. Yeah, but uh, also, yeah, George Clooners. George Clooners is in here. <laughs> Clorge Juni. Oh, Clorge Juni's in here. Uh, uh-huh. but yeah, the, a lot of people from TV, and then, you know, some other people you might see in some horror movies. And, uh, what our about main... old Marsha, Marsha, Marsha? That's, that's what I was going to say. Uh, the, the main name, though, that you need to know is Maureen McCormick is in this motherfucker, and she steals the show, I think. She is the best character in the movie, without a doubt. You can tell she was having so much fun just yes. chewing up the scenery and honestly, like, out-acting everybody. everybody. I mean, by this time, she'd been <laughs> in, like, 400 fucking episodes of the Brady Bunch, and she was, you know, wholesome American Marsha, and she was like, oh, cool, I get to cover myself in blood and, like, be really sus the entire time. Yeah, she's super sus and way too, like, into the dead bodies and stuff. Uh, <laughs> just turned on by everything. Everything, yeah. <laughs> Dude, she's so good. And I'll she's tell you, awesome. the first thing that I said whenever she came on screen is, okay, I was like, oh my God, that's Marsha from the Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it was Marsha from the Brady Bunch remake. That I can't remember her name. She's married to Ben Stiller, and she's in like Dodgeball and stuff. Oh, yeah, no, that's just perfect casting. That, uh, it's oh, insane. I forget her name, but she looks so much like Marie McCormick. Why do we I gotta get Fuzzbead on that? Fuzzbead, get that information for us right there. We need to find out exactly who that is. But yeah, dude, as soon as she came on screen, I legit thought that it was her from the new Brady Bunch, and I was like, "There's no way she's that age in 1987." Of course, not. Uh, Christine Taylor couldn't have been yeah. in this. <laughs> exactly, Christine Taylor. Thanks, we had the name Fuzzbead. all along. We were seeing if you guys knew. Mm-hmm. So right. yeah, no, yeah, they 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 did really great casting because Christine Taylor Young looked so much like Marie McCormick. Yeah, every time it cuts back to her, I feel like one less button on her shirt is buttoned, and somehow she's gotten bloodier, and like her hair has yeah. gotten more tussled. Like she's getting gorier and sexier every time we see mm-hmm. her. Yeah, and then she's just like eating that sandwich like all grossly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so great i love it oh my god dude yeah she's amazing like she definitely steals the show in this for me yeah so the 
<laughs> we should get into, I guess, the basic breakdown of what this movie yeah. is. Give so, me a synopsis of this movie, Steve. I want you to try to say in your words what I'm this gonna is. I'm going to try to synopsize this. Okay, get it for him. Back of the box. <sighs> okay, so a series of murders happened at a high school. Yes. And they are going back to this high school to make a film about that series of murders. Yes. Among the people consulting on the film <laughs> happened to be the principal who was uh, 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 had a daughter who had a boyfriend who is a cop <laughs> who is a consultant on this the is movie. getting murky already yeah sorry because <laughs> these are these things are gonna matter a lot at some point but anyway they're making a movie about the events at the high school and the movie we're watching is about the making of that movie but the movie we're watching consists of scenes from that movie as well as scenes of the making of the movie as well as dreams that are not part of <laughs> the movie they're making they're the dreams of the people in the movie making the movie and, but also turns out at the end of the movie that the movie we were watching and the movie <laughs> that was being filmed are also kind of fake and that none of it really happened except that the cops killed a guy who <laughs> probably was the original killer of the m people who the movie was supposed to be about. I mean, that's a pretty nice and tidy synopsis. Put a bow on that thing and send it out the door. I'll tell you what, if that's the elevator pitch, I'm getting off on the next floor because yeah. the layers and layers and layers of what's going on here, man. Yeah. Dude, there was so many times during this, and, and honestly, like looking back on it and knowing the tone of the entire movie, mm -hmm. I feel like it's very intentional that they made it so stupidly convoluted. Yeah. Definitely. Probably to make fun of a lot of the other flicks that were going on at that time. Yeah, and stuff. I think this... Okay, it is meta as fuck, but this is much more in the parody range of film, and it's much more like a Mel Brooks-style parody of horror yeah. films. Yeah, like scary movie or something. It gets horror films so well that you also have to get horror films so well to see it for what it is which is hilarious. There's so many parts in this where we're watching it. And, you know, it's like I've got my head down every now and then because I'm making notes and stuff for the podcast. And I look up and I'm like, wait, are we in a flashback? <laughs> and Kate's like, well, it didn't say. I don't know. Right. Rewind it. And it's just like, no, we're just in this scene now. Okay, we're watching it. Somebody got killed. Oh, no, it's just on the set of the movie that's in the movie. Right. <laughs> but it's a reenactment of the murder that inspired the movie that's in the movie. Yeah, and I forgot to mention in my synopsis that the entire narrative of the movie is being told in the future. So it's all a flashback. So the movie within the movie is a <laughs> being flashback. told in flashback. What? Yeah. It's... Like, that makes no... No sense whatsoever, sense. but it's so funny. It's so funny, because you don't know... 
You don't like she she refers to the guy she's with all the time, Steve Blake, as Blake, and everybody else calls him Steve. Yeah. That was confusing me too. She plays three different characters. Yeah, the just main with different character, ways. Lori Lethen, or Lori Lethen, the actress who plays the main character of Callie Cassidy, who plays Sarah Walker and also plays Susan. <laughs> and the fact that she's like not a teenager, like at all. Like, of course, nobody in this is. Yeah, they are. that's exactly perfect. That's they couldn't get teenagers because it's obviously the eighties. And you have to have 30-year-olds play teenagers in horror movies. And I feel like even them just, like, using the same actress and putting her in different wigs to play different characters is even a commentary on just how disposable the typical, like, you know, female uh, character in a horror movie is, which is like, I don't know, she's just got to get killed anyway. Just put a wig on her. Nobody really cares if it's even the same person. There's a good bit of commentary, uh, direct commentary on the the role of women in horror and like uh you know the the gratuitous nature of showing nudity all the time and rape scenes and things like that it, the movie's uh, it's saying a lot and making a whole lot of points while also remaining funny and never getting too preachy yeah i think so man and really like the depths that you're talking about as far as like how many layers there are going on where ultimately like in that scene that you're talking about where um, she has the dream sequence where she's on the set of the movie Mm -hmm. and it turns out she's, she gets decapitated or whatever. Right. Like that is a flashback being told to a police officer about a character that was in the movie dreaming that she was on the set of the movie. Uh Uh-huh. Getting killed uh-huh. in a dream. In a dream. Yep. Like how the how the fuck do you explain to people <laughs> that are on the set of this what the fuck is going on? I think you don't. I think you just like you 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 don't want them to know any more than they would. You just have it be one of these things where it's like, okay, we're just shooting this scene today. This is what's happening. You don't really know where it all ends up, I guess. That would be fun, yeah. I feel like. Because like this... just like here, do some cocaine about it. It'll be yeah, fine. Just yeah. just film it the way I have it on paper. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> we're working on that prosthetic right now. Uh we're gonna film this scene, which is uh I don't know, you two talking? Talk. Go. <laughs> just go. Go yeah. for it, man. It has that feel a lot where it it is obviously scripted but also feels very real and and they did a good job of, of of kind of bringing us into the uh behind the scenes world while keeping you like guessing the whole time you're not really sure but it's also like it's making fun of the who done it element of a lot of the early 80s horror movies like, oh yeah man constantly throughout and of course, it's not a great slasher movie without a great slasher. We got to have somebody in a mask and cloak and gloves and stuff doing the dirty work. And this movie is no exception. And whenever we actually see the killer the first time, I actually think the design is really cool and obviously, obviously hugely influential to the design of the scream ghost face killer mask it's kind of this like black cloak and sort of this white you know it's like it's a human face but it's kind of melted looking yeah yeah that had to have inspired in some way Uh, because 
It's so similar. Yeah. Only, of course, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that this is also making fun of the black glove giallo killer wearing yellow, like, kitchen dishwashing gloves. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. But we also then find out the real killer, the, the non-movie killer, the killer that the movie is based on. <laughs> He's also in a mask that is the opposite color. And uh, it seems really racist when you first see it because you're like, oh, they made this the black man be this racist caricature. You're talking about the janitor guy. The janitor, Amos. Yeah. Then you find out it's a white man wearing a black mask, and it's like, oh, he's racist. Right, yeah, this is him pretending to be black, I guess. So this whole time, uh, like, I'm like, boy, I'm real uncomfortable when that character is on the screen, because it seems like, oh, this is not aging well at all. And it doesn't yeah. age well at all as a as a black character. This is not a good representation of a black person. Uh, and it is, in fact, a black actor playing the role. But I think the movie is saying something there, like that this white man pretending to be a black man would obviously be a racist caricature of a black man. Yeah, which in itself might even be a commentary on the way that all these white dudes writing these slashers and stuff would write in these typical jive-talking black characters exactly. or whatever, and how that was inherently racist. Yeah. So, I think there is some commentary there. I think they're meaning to do something there rather than just having a very poorly written, obviously racist character of a, of a black man. But, uh, you know, I, I may be wrong. I may be reading too much into it. I, di I am uh, feeling, like, very generous toward this movie because when I was watching it, I, like, immediately was like, oh, my God. Like, I, I did not get this as a kid. Like, mm -mm. this this is making so many really fun little meta jokes and, and meta commentary about 80s horror. And I, I, I think it's uh, very, like very much needs to be talked about more when you talk about the 80s horror canon, even though it's not one that I think had the biggest impact back then. I think it probably probably was so far ahead of its time. Like, as we said, Scream 3 is this in a lot of ways, and Scream 3 is in the mid-2000s, so like, it's it's ahead of its time by a good bit. Yeah, very much so. And it's like, it might not be the best. It might not be as good as it as it could have been. Right. But I think it's like an important testament to what it was like to be on the set of these movies and stuff at the time. Uh, because, again, as we've seen from some of these documentaries and stuff that we've watched, the characters that we have here, especially the writer-director-producer dynamic is so over the top and stupid and also really accurate when you yeah, listen to really, interviews with these guys, really pretty man. pretty accurate. Yeah. The producer you're pointing out is essentially just Roger Corman. He's like, he just wants to get the picture done and get some tits out. That's uh, kind of it. Yep, that's it. That's pretty much it. He would make these movies that he knew would make money. And to know they'll make money, they need tits and blood. Yeah, yeah. That's what he's out to do in this movie. Like, everything that he's doing is just like... There needs to be somebody topless. There needs to be more blood on screen at all times. Yeah. 
So yeah, I think Roger Corman pretty accurate. I think yeah, you can look you can look at uh, the uh uh God oh, fuck, what is it? The Friday the Thirteenth documentary Camp something is that? Oh yeah, Crystal Lake Memories. There we go, Crystal Lake Memories. That's the look one. at Frank Mancuso Jr. Uh, I think he comes across too a little bit like maybe an influence. Um, it's it's interesting to just see the. I mean, because obviously this is a caricature that just this guy who doesn't give a shit, like all he wants is to get the picture out. But that's also kind of when you see the interviews with these guys, it's like, well, yeah, at the end of the day, that's what has to happen is the picture has to be out by this time. It's got to be done. Uh, So, yeah, that's real fun to see that character played out. And I mean, yeah, this guy's really funny. Harry's really like. You know, he's sleazy as hell, but also very funny. I like when he's, he, he's obviously, like, ducking paying everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, what is it he says after that one guy, like, he tells the Teamster that it's his secretary and they're, like, family and all that shit. Uh, he's, he says he's got work. What do you think this is, a charity? <laughs> like, basically, <laughs> the concept of having work is more than enough you don't need money for it yeah yeah and you've got the director of the movie that's just like trying to put together his artistic vision of this story that really is trying to have some integrity and put out something that really means something but is also kind of getting shit on by everybody (laughs) yeah and he in turn gets to shit on the writer who which everybody else gets to shit on the writer yeah, it's like this food chain, really. Yeah. <laughs> and the writer's got this, like, he's got this thriller in his head, this, like, psychological thriller that he really wants to come out. Uh, and at no point does anyone listen to him. <laughs> but they do <laughs> constantly make him rewrite everything. And then, like, like the producer will have him rewrite something, and then the director yells at him for it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. some of those rewrites and stuff that they propose are really funny, where, like, I think it's the producer at some point's like, we need to have a scene with the two women talking about marriage and babies and love and blah, blah, blah. Put something emotional in there. But make sure it's in the shower so they're naked. <laughs> yeah. Like, the suggestions and stuff for the things that they need in this script are just so stupid. But, again, yes. also the kind of things that we know were proposed on the sets of these movies. 100%. I mean, again, Roger Corman production, go look at uh, Slumber Party Massacre when they're having their conversation in the shower. Like, they're legit just tits to camera turns. Like, that's uh, that was all that was for. The reason it's in the shower is for that. That's all they're trying to do. Um, (laughs) it's great that they captured that in this movie, that, that concept of, uh, just like, well, look, we know this will sell tickets. If teenagers Mm -hmm. hear their boobs in it, it'll sell tickets. It'll get rentals. We make money. I feel like the special effects guy in this too was definitely (laughs) written very well. Like he's kind of like this sort of like sarcastic, smart ass guy that you can tell thinks that he knows more than everybody else on set. Like, there's definitely a lot of, like, Stavini and other dudes in him, I think. And and that's generally true. Whenever you see the interviews with the special effects guys, they do generally know more than everybody on set. Yeah, On a horror true. set, yeah. for sure. 
and yeah, and yeah, so many of uh, the special effects guys you've seen in interview, like, uh, yeah, Tom Savini, uh, Screaming Mad George. Screaming Mad George, yeah. <laughs> like, those types of guys who have big personalities and, and really come out. This guy just like that. Like, uh, <laughs> I love that the director's like, uh, would you want my, uh, would I want my mom to see that? And the guy's like, I don't know. What's your mom like? It's <laughs> like, like that, that concept of like, it, I, you know, maybe your mom likes blood and guts. I don't fucking know. I, I, I like that the guy just has this like really creative streak too. He wants to do these exploding boobs and whatnot. And it's like, why would that happen? But also why wouldn't it It'd be fucking cool? <laughs> <laughs> why not, man? Yeah, they definitely packed some comedy and stuff into this, too. Like, I'm not going to say that I was at any point, like, really laughing out loud while I was watching it, but there's a lot of things that kind of stuck out in my memory. I was like, that was pretty fucking clever. That was pretty yeah. funny. You know, I mean, obviously, all the stuff with, with Marsha Brady was really funny, but, like, I love how whenever um, the two are having, like, the sex scene and stuff, and it's all, like, all romantic, and there's this crazy fucking 80s song, and there's uh-huh. all this, like crazy lighting and stuff going on because there's these guys welding right outside of the window it's, it's like it is very much a parody of an 80s sex scene <laughs> yeah like that was really really funny man and i like to like i don't know there, there's funny little stuff in the background like where all the people start piling out of that like bathroom stall when yeah, they're when in they're, the bathroom yeah you can tell they just got stoned and it's like yeah it's like uh, two people walk out then another person walks out and it's like oh okay and then another person walk- it's like a real slow progressing joke too because they just keep coming <laughs> yeah like how many it's people just kind of in, in the bathroom stall <laughs> yeah it's kind of like something you'd see in like airplane or naked gun exactly. or something like that where <laughs> it's not drawing attention to it but you're like damn how many people were in there <laughs> <laughs> there's a scene that made me laugh out loud like a lot and it's when, when the director has just had it. When Harry has just thrown a bucket of blood on to a person. And uh, the director's just like, he's pissed off at the scene and everything. And he starts giving this impassioned speech about like what needs to happen. And he's getting really passionate about it. But not really going anywhere with anything he's saying. And he just slowly backs out of the room without answering any of the questions that he was raising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that's it. Everyone's just standing there so, like, oh, what, so what do we do? <laughs> yeah. Seems like he said something, but I don't know what. Yeah, he didn't say anything. Just bullshit. He, he was so passionate about nothing. <laughs> and that's like the perfect description of this, like, director character is just like a full of passion doesn't really know where he wants it to go or anything but he's got a whole lot of passion about it yeah gotta make it look like you're getting something done right exactly i love to like at the very end there where there's kind of the hostage situation and he's like if you you know i'll kill the girl if you don't whatever and the guy's like well i listen i'm gonna go it's my yeah. football yeah. <laughs> like what that was a real like record scratch moment where yeah. i was like he's just gonna leave because he wants to go watch football it was what? it was a solid strategy i like it felt like some of the things they did had to have been things that you know horror fans back in the day uh, had been like why wouldn't you just do this in that moment 
And that seemed like one of those. Like, why wouldn't you just pretend like you don't care if they kill that person? See what happens. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's definitely poking fun at a lot of, like, little cliches and stuff. Like, you have the guy being like, oh, you never go down into a dark basement without a flashlight. Yeah, she said that. She said that. And then they went down without a flashlight. And then he drops his gun. And he's like, I can't find it. And she's like, why can't you find it? (laughs) (laughs) should have had a flashlight yeah Yeah, it's very very much like poking fun at a lot of the tropes and stuff including like like all the nudity and stuff like that that you're talking about but it actually does pack in some pretty good kills in there i think yeah Yeah, i liked um like well the thing is that we don't actually see kills that's we see a lot of gore and we see the kills in the movie in the movie but like (laughs) the things that you kind of want to see like you see the guy going towards that like fan and stuff and it's like oh man like those big moments that you think you're gonna see are actually pretty minimal surprisingly they did a lot of great stuff obviously because they're like constantly showing these special effects but they also like because we're gonna get the reveal at the end that actually nobody has been murdered throughout this <laughs> which is just the big i guess you said the, the record scratch there or it was just like wait, yeah. what the what? fuck <laughs> what is happening yeah all the corpses just get up and leave and like i guess none of the cops noticed that they were alive yeah like what, what the hell <laughs> they were faking the return of the murderer on this set just to drum up publicity i guess yeah what <laughs> it's ridiculous man it's so ridiculous but like uh, yeah yeah as, as you're saying the the effects are great um even though surprisingly yeah you're not really seeing the end result of a number of kills you still see cool stuff like i mean that uh the head chop off that was a dream yeah. that mm-hmm. that effect was cool I like that the uh, the science teacher that was like bullying that kid about not wanting to dissect oh, yeah. the frog. Like he gets like vivisected, basically. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. That's followed by a pretty solid heart rip scene. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot a lot to be enjoyed in this as far as uh, the gore and the kills. But the any time you do see a kill, other than the killer getting killed at the end, it is that's when you know you're in the movie because yeah. the reveal at the end that nobody has actually been killed and and that's yeah. that's a good key to have because the movie does have the problem of you are constantly kind of confused as to what's going on constantly man like all the time <laughs> and, and you kind of start to like distrust what you're seeing at any time where you're like okay so am I on the set of the movie again and then like you know 20 minutes later something terrible is happening you're like oh shit and you're like oh wait no 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 on the set of the movie again so nothing to be worried about here nobody's actually dying like the movie is constantly just fucking with you the entire time yeah and i think uh i you know again it it seems to just be aimed so distinctly and directly at horror fans of the time and because like it, it is fucking with them it's fuck and if it, it, it like now because you know we we have even more information than they had at the time we we you know we can see this just as easily and understand it just as well but in 1987 this was like very particularly aimed at like exactly the types of things that horror movie fans 
would not expect to happen or would like kind of shift their perspective and stuff. It's, 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 it seems to have a great understanding of the genre at the time. Yeah. It's very, it's very smart the way that it's put together and the way that it is critiquing this genre while also participating in it while also making fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Maybe even a little too smart, where there are just so many times in the movie where I'm just like, wait, where are we right now? <laughs> yeah. Are we in a flashback? Like, are we in a dream again? Like, what is going on, man? Like, I think it's deliberately very convoluted that way. I don't think that that's any, any sort of accident that it happened that way. Uh, maybe it could have been done better. Maybe there's a way to make this a little bit more watchable and less confusing. Like, if they would have had a little bit more time to simmer on this script and figure out a way to make it less confusing for the watcher unless that was their intent all along i don't know yeah yeah i'm i mean you know you gotta you gotta look because like as i said this made 1.2 million on a 1 million dollar budget so didn't make anything uh and i i've never really heard people talk about this except to be like you know george clooney was in a horror movie right uh so you know it's it seems like it it probably just didn't find that niche audience that it was looking for at the time. I'm I mean I'm looking at it now and I think it just like kind of like taming the T-Rex where it's like <laughs> people yeah. need to be paying attention to this movie that came out long ago. Like people need to be paying attention to it now because it's perfect now. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. What do you think about that Scooby-Doo-ass ending? <laughs> Where it's like, just the, the rip-off of the vinyl mask, and it's like, hey, it was you all along. Yeah, like, it turns out a person that you Scooby-Doo. look nothing like is, like, it's, yeah. that is Scooby-Doo. That's exactly what it is. Like, it is so much of, like, yoink. Like, you, you are a, a person who looks unlike the thing that you were before. Uh, and we just accept it. And it's so silly. That guy, the guy who plays the principal, is awesome. Yeah, like yeah. he's especially going after the reveal it. that the reveal that he's the villain. He gets so maniacal and and wild and crazy. Yeah, uh, he's great. Like at the end of the movie, there for sure. Yeah, and he, he's talking about how Steve, our, our main guy, who is not, by the way George Clooney, only in this for like. Four or five minutes? Yeah, not much. Our main guy, uh, Brendan Hughes, Steve, uh, apparently had gotten his high school girlfriend pregnant. His high school girlfriend went by a different name, Walker. Mm-hmm. And her her dad was actually the principal. That's why she went by a different name. And the principal is the guy who is the killer. Uh, so he's obviously upset at Steve and wants to kill Steve because Steve got his high school girlfriend pregnant and then she g- gave herself an abortion. I guess. And uh, the, she died. And this just, it's like, that reveal was like, this just seemed like kind of perfect generic reveal for why the killer had been killing in these 80s movies like you know you look at uh, uh, Betsy Palmer uh, the Voorhees there you go yeah. Miss Voorhees you know she, she's getting revenge for this 
like really strange petty re like if these teenagers hadn't been fucking then my son wouldn't have drowned like you know the, the disconnect is is there but it's also like yeah it doesn't matter at this point like you know by the time you get that you already are into the movie so the the reveal's not such a big deal so when the reveal's so convoluted and weird it's like oh yeah okay whatever like yeah that works it's fine yeah and this is a comedy movie too so yeah i expected it to be goofy well, that's kind of the thing is like, I see a lot of people complaining about the ending of the movie and how convoluted and just like, uh, okay, whatever the whole thing is. But it's like, well, I think that we all love Friday the 13th and the end of that makes zero sense. Yeah, right? it doesn't. Yeah. Like how, how did Betsy Palmer kill all those people and move around their bodies and stuff? Like that wouldn't make yeah. any sense. How did little Jason jump up out of the lake? Like, none of that makes any none sense. None of it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but it's totally fine. Whatever. You go with it. You got to see a lot of people get murdered and maimed and fucking dismembered. So, yeah, you got, you got what you came to see. So it doesn't really matter that the ending doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and again, I think that's just staying in tune with the genre to give it such a silly, out-of-nowhere, unexplainable ending. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I I think... I think it works because it, it's it's exactly within exactly what they're trying to do is this meta commentary about the horror genre at the time and so yeah I I mean I may be generously reading this uh, film but I I think it is just just really ahead of its time very solid meta commentary that needs to be seen and needs to be reevaluated I think. Yeah, I think so. I think if you're a fan of 80s slashers and stuff, especially if you love learning about the history of that entire scene, this is a movie you should definitely check out. Again, it it could have been done better, I think, in a couple of different ways. Um, but it's still enjoyable. Like, I was still watching it the whole time being like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, whereas there's so many of those other, you know, 80s slashers where you're watching it and you're like... I know exactly what I'm watching. I already know how this is going to end. Yeah, yeah. we know what's going to happen to that person, that person, and that person. Like, yeah, this has yeah. got some surprises and twists. Yeah, so it kept me interested the entire time just because I was trying to figure out, am I in the movie now or the movie in the movie? Or, like, the weird narrative and stuff like that just kept my eyes glued to the screen for sure. Um, and also that ridiculous ass soundtrack that is so love stupid. It. I love like just how goofy that uh, like synth bit is when the the kills happen. It's just yeah. like what the hell? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that stupid ass song during that sex scene yes. is so ridiculous. Kate and I were both just like, "What the fuck is this song? This is awful." But you know, again, it's like that's all in line with those movies and stuff, and too, like also in line with Argento flicks and stuff too. Those have ridiculous soundtracks. Yeah, I wondered if this is influenced uh, any by Demons. Demons does have you know some yeah. meta elements to it, for it, sure. But I mean, yeah, it's obvious that the people working on this had a, a good sense of the genre at the time so i assume they had seen demon so at the end of the movie whenever it's revealed that the writer's dad was the principal who had been doing the murders and stuff uh-huh. i guess that principal really does get mowed down by the cops in real life right right but then he sits down at the typewriter and starts writing the movie that we're watching yes so are we watching his movie 
Like, are we watching his movie that was about the making of this movie that inspired him to write this movie that you're watching right now? That's, what? I mean, it's, I mean, I, I have no answers. I have zero answers because <laughs> I, like, I think it was, there's no way it was meant to be, like, anything other than elaborate joke at the end, right? Where it's just like, Actually, he is even more meta than that. He's actually writing the movie you just watched. <laughs> so it's a movie about the making of the movie that you're watching, which included the making of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. It's also like you get that final reveal that, uh, you know, uh, it's his dad and that the dad survived. But it's also, like, obviously setting up a sequel, which is hilarious. The the concept, you know, that a, a, a movie that's already titled as a sequel would have a sequel. It, yeah. It's part, I, I think it's part of the joke. I think it's all just part of the, the meta commentary about horror. <laughs> and it's hilarious. Yeah, the idea of like also starting this as a sequel is kind of reminiscent of like Zombie Two, where it's like, well, there is there is no Zombie One that's related to right. that universe. <laughs> we'll just start at Zombie Two, and that's fine. I I enjoy it. Like honestly, I I do enjoy this movie. I think that it is just refreshing to watch something that I didn't know existed that was this in tune with what was going on, and mm-hmm. also just this kind of industry specific where. They had to know a lot of people watching this weren't going to get a lot of those jokes and stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely, right? Yeah, I mean, you gotta be... Like, even even though horror was real popular in the early 80s, you gotta know that not everybody's reading Fangoria. Like, not everybody's getting any sort of sense of what's going on behind the scenes. They're really just watching the booby flicks. Like, yeah. it's... it's they're not as as deeply fanatical about it as everyone you know involved with this probably is. Right. I think you're right, man. If you were going to slap a value numerically on how much you care for this movie, mm-hmm. what's it going to be? I'm going to give you a choice okay. of numbers ranging from 1 uh-huh. to 10. You get to pick anywhere Any of the in that range. It? Yeah, you give it a, a care value based on a number point. I mean, this is... I'm starting to experience a little option paralysis because it's like all Look those out. are good numbers, right? It's true. And actually, if we're going to get super technical, there is literally an infinite amount of numbers between 1 and 10. So yeah. this is yeah, it's pretty what, complicated. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking of like, you know, what about 6.8666543747837221899? What about that one? The decimals can just go and go. I mean, if that's how much you like it, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> I like it a little bit more than that. I, uh, I, I did, I'd say that um, this was refreshing for me to uh, rewatch something from the 80s that I had seen and to find out that, um, you know, it, it, it has a lot to it that I never even conceived. And to know that there's, you know, something... Uh, something more to find is like, Oh good. I'm going to look harder. <laughs> like I'm going to investigate some others that maybe I saw back in the day and, and just have never gone back to. Cause I was a kid then and my kid brain couldn't understand things. 
so I, I I enjoyed this. I really liked it. I I found myself laughing a good bit. I really liked the director character. Don't know why. It seemed just everything about him was like, yeah, that's pretty perfectly right. That's pretty. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So yeah, for me this is I don't know. I, I'd say this is like a seven, seven and a half. Um, I mean I've I've only talked glowingly about it, but I mean it is it is. Uh, hard to follow and uh, like you, you do have to watch it more than once I think to really get what's going on and and that's just because it's overly complicated uh, and that's yeah. part of the joke but like it also if you got to talk about it on a podcast you do have to untangle it <laughs> so yeah for sure for that it was like okay there there's this is real impossible to follow and Obviously, um, there, you know, some of the commentary is, is been picked to death at this point. So it would have been nice maybe in 1987 to have gotten it now to get it in 2021. It's like, yeah, no, we, we know that like a lot of what the movie is saying. It's like, yeah, we, we've known that for a long time, but in 1987, it probably would have been like, oh shit. I didn't think about that. I'm an idiot. Right. Yeah, I think I think you're right, man. I think for me, this is going to be... I'm going to rate it a little bit lower than you, and maybe because I only got to watch it once last night, like, maybe if I watch it again, knowing the way the narrative is all over the fucking place and deliberately fucking with you, I might even enjoy it more if I watched it again. I think on, on first watch, just for being a a total like blind side, like this is not what I was expecting kind of experience. And also just so wonderfully self-aware in Uh this era of, you know, slashers and stuff. I think I'm going to give it like a six. I think six sounds pretty fair to me. I'm going to say it's above average. Uh, could have been better. I think in a couple ways, but maybe if I watch it again, I'll adore it and appreciate it. Maybe so even more. So thank you so much for yet another wonderful patreon pick episode there really haven't been any duds no no they've all been fun to talk about so i'm Mm -hmm. i'm excited to see what we get next month me too how can somebody submit a movie into the smoking bowl Well, they could just go on to the one of the machines the internet machines they got out there to Uh patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely and guess what you do over there you become a five dollar subscriber to the patreon and you can submit a movie once a month into the smoking bowl. And then we randomly draw from that. And, uh, you know, maybe we get returned to horror high. Maybe we get, I, I don't know, uh, uh, some other horror movie. Maybe we do. But man, for $5 a month or $3 or even just $1, all they get to do is a chance to submit uh, a chance for their movie to get drawn on here. Don't they get anything more than that? You could become a patron on any level and you get access to our uh, TV test pilots where we recommend shows to each other and maybe even just soon we'll let you guys just recommend a show to us and we watch the first episode of it and then we decide if we're going to continue watching that show it's awesome it's fun we've talked WandaVision we've talked Raising Hope we talked The Boys uh, uh, what's the one that uh, we got coming out? Uh, that Raised by Wolves. Raised by Wolves, a Ridley Scott uh, show on HBO. So uh, yeah. head on over there. Become a patron on any level. You get that 
It's awesome. That's right. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All the usual stuff. If you search, you will find and you will enjoy what you see. Isn't that right? At Dead Lovely Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Dead and Lovely. We're all over the place. Also, we got the Friday Night Screaming Chat on uh, Friday nights. We watch a movie on the YouTubes or uh, when The Last Drive-In is going on Shutter. We watch The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs, which is what we're going to be doing for the next uh, couple months, I assume. Not sure how long season three is. And we chat on Discord. That's right. That's right. And next week, here on the show, we're going to be talking about something that I'm very excited to talk about because it's been a little while Mm -hmm. since we checked in with our good buddy, that quipster, that silly slasher, Fred Krueger. What are we doing next week, that Steve? That mischievous molester. Yep. Fred Krueger. Mm-hmm, that's We're going to be talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, a part five. Yes. Which one's the that? Dream the Dream Child. Child. That's right. Um, It's been a little while since I watched this one. I, it's not, it's not, it's not one of my favorites no. from what I recall, <laughs> but... At the same time, I'm just such a sucker for these movies. Like, I just, I can't help it, man. I mean, it's classic. It's like horror icon shit. So, of course, I like it more than I should. Oh, yeah. I, anytime we get a chance to talk Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th or Halloween, any of those series, I am excited. So, this will be a fun time. Definitely. So, be sure to tune in to that one. Rate and review the show anywhere that you can. And go out there and get yourself that vaccine poke. If you want, maybe you don't want. I do. Yeah. It's uh, uh, becoming available to everybody, right? All ages? I think so. Yeah, so check out the availability in your state. Maybe you can go get yourself vaccinated and get back to living that normal life again. We'll see about it. And we'll see you guys next week on Dead and Lovely. I've been Uncle Ben. I've been Hollywood Steve. You guys have been lovely. Catch y'all later. I've said this before on the pod that I get a little drunk. I turn on a little ABBA. I mean, that just happens. Oh, yeah, like you do. Yeah. So I'm I'm drinking a little uh, on Friday, um, or Saturday, actually, after the, uh, the Jack of All Graves uh, hate watch. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm listening to Take a Chance on Me. You got the video going. And I noticed that when they say maybe do some cocaine, like maybe I think it's like the first time you see the redhead. She's like listening to records with one of the dudes. And she like says to him in the video, maybe do some cocaine. Um, and <laughs> it's like my, my brain put together that they're on a date and he's like, this is my shitty music I like. And she's like, yeah, all right. Maybe do some cocaine. Maybe that would improve this at all. I see this sucks. Maybe do cocaine about it. I don't know. I mean, you've been with Kate for a long time, but I know uh, I've made made several women suffer through some terrible music they did not want to listen to. Like, 
No, you're gonna really like Dillinger Escape Plan. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I love Dillinger Escape Plan, but I absolutely get it. If you turn on Dillinger Escape Plan, somebody's like, but like, do you have drugs or something we could do? <laughs> <laughs> then they're like, maybe do some lewds about it. You need to yeah. calm down a little bit here, buddy. <laughs> For real. <laughs> I think the most like irritated Kate gets at anything I put on is fucking Dream Theater, which oh, I yeah. absolutely understand, man. Uh-huh. Like that's just not music for everybody. I'll tell you that, man. Yeah. <laughs> She's instantly just like, "What is this fucking wankery?" Oh, it's fucking Dream Theater. Of course Turn it this is. Off. Yeah. Too much that's musicianship. Take a on me. I love that song. That's such a good song. I love that video is awesome too. Because like, I don't think I've ever seen it. Check out, you gotta check out the ABBA videos, because for no, like, they, like, they were around before MTV, but, like, you know, shows were showing videos, so people were making videos around that time, but, like, they didn't know what they were doing. I love those videos. Because nobody had made music videos, yeah. Like, <laughs> so. early, like, Billy Joel videos? Yes! Oh, my God, man. It, it really honestly reminds me of when... You know, you go to like a family cookout or something like that, and you just put the camera on one of your like little three or four year old nephews, and they're like, "I'm on TV. I go, I do a dance." Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh. Yes, it's so bad. <laughs> Make sure I'm hydrated. Mouth's been dry the past. Uh... Well, it's getting really polleny out there. Mm-hmm. Good lord, it is. Yeah, everything gets sucked up into mucus, and you don't have any spit or anything. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. Ain't no good. Yeah. I heard that's a side effect of April 20th as well. <laughs> that is true. I'll tell you what, though. Honestly, though, I never really get the cotton mouth. It's just that, you know, you know how it is. Like, any, like, water or liquids or anything you consume just becomes extremely enjoyable. Yeah. So it makes it so satisfying to drink water. Yeah, you're just like, God damn water, right? It's like, is there anything wetter than this? I doubt it. 